0: It's only a kick, a
1: jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans.
0: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer.
2: Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers help call 1800
1: 858 858. Welcome to inspiring stories for Bower and Oday. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, My guest in this episode is one of the world's great adventurers. Most of those adventures have been on his own, all at sea. In fact, uh, he's just come back from his 11th solo circumnavigation around the world. Uh, And he's done this uh, while he's uh, in his 80s. Not that I'm being ageist. Uh, Hello and welcome to John Sanders. I mean, there's so much more to get through. The first person uh, in the world to do a double circumnavigation. Not content with that. A few years later, you embarked on a triple solo circumnavigation. You've held dozens of Guinness Records uh, over the years. Uh, I doubt we'll even get to go through all of them. But I'm looking forward to hearing all about the life and times of the amazing John Sanders. Hello, John. How are you? Thank you. Good. Thanks. You've just come back from your 11th trip yep. around the globe. Yep. Uh, this one had a uh, a special mission attached to it as well, though, didn't it? You were collecting uh, Micro- samples yep. from Micro- oceans samples and seas all around the world, looking at the the prevalence of microplastics, yeah. Microplastics. How are you, anyway? Good. Are you good? To, Excellent. Good being back on, on yeah, dry is. land?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. And what? you'll ask me, am I going to go again? Probably not, but I'm not going to say
2: But You said that after your tenth, though, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and then and, thought, what the hell, I'll go again. Um, tell me about this eleventh trip, though, because you had the extra <laughs> curly one in there as well of this thing called COVID. Yeah, well, uh, which I can only imagine made your your navigating and you know the the, the itinerary a little more complicated. Yeah,
0: uh, was complicated to begin with. I went to Mauritius. People flew in, uh, some of my lot. Then Cape Town, pretty normal stop. Then uh, Saint Helena, mi- middle of the South Atlantic. I'm on my way. The COVID's breaking out. I'm getting messages to say that you're in the safest place in the world, the best place in the world. And I went to St Martin because I had a friend there. I had a bit of a problem with my batteries. He could fix that on my way to the British Virgin Islands. That's all up there in the Caribbean. Uh, St Martin is a population, the Dutch side, French side. The Dutch side's uh, premier is called Prime Minister. The French side's premier is called Prefect. And uh, St Martin, a population of 40,000, had massive tourism yeah. from China, from Europe, from Holland, and of course the virus got into it. So yeah. the population of 40,000 people at that time was probably the most contagious place in the world, or one of, wow. and that's where I arrived. <laughs> and the Prime Minister of uh, St Martin, Dutch St Martin, locked place down, closed it down, and the authorities back in Europe sort of said, you can't do that, you'll offend people. So there's a similarity between a Caribbean Prime Minister and a West Australian Premier is mm.
2: locking the place down. Mm. Um, what an extraordinary place to, to pull up. And, I mean, of all the things you've had to endure in your many trips uh, around the world, this must have been one of the most unexpected for you.
0: It was certainly uh, one of the most unexpected. Uh, but it was not unpleasant because Dutch, um, uh, Dutch Martin, yeah. Dutch Caribbean, it's a good place to be anyway. Yeah, uh, they did have a semi-lockdown, then a real lockdown of two weeks, and a semi-lockdown, and then continued, even when I could leave the island, there was nowhere to go, not mm. even Panama, Panama Canal, because they weren't accepting yachts my size through the canal.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we had problems here, of course, with cruise ships coming in, but uh, your little vessel, <laughs> you know, by comparison, uh, I imagine you would have been frozen out of lots of places. Everywhere uh, along your journey, Yep. yeah. So how did I mean? Did you at one at any point think, "Gosh, where am I going to go from here?" No,
0: I just kept going. Well, I've got patience and time, obviously, um, and I wasn't overspending a lot of cash. Uh, the boat was sponsored, the gear was sponsored, but I was supposed to meet my own uh, means, like food on board, and uh, more importantly, anything you do ashore. Mm. Uh, but Andrew Forrest, or the Mindaroo Foundation, who were the major sponsor, did say, something should happen somewhere about the world. We will find you.
2: Yeah. I suppose these days it's easier to keep track of you, isn't it, with yep. all the technology there at, at, at your disposal. Yeah. Um, speaking of um, of the, the presence of the Mindaroo Foundation on your latest voyage, one of your uh, missions along the way was to collect uh, samples of water, um, looking at the amount of microplastics uh, in various parts uh, of the world's oceans uh, and, and waterways. W- w- what did you discover on your, uh, on each your travels? Each and every day,
0: uh, I would take uh, approximately 100 litres of water, a little bit more than water, pump it through filters, and then I would take the filters out. And eventually, when I got to ports where I could air freight it back home, I would send them back home, yeah. one port after the other, where I could, where it was reliable.
2: Uh, Was this your, your reason to go, or were you going to go anyway?
0: Uh, no, I, I thought I would go, but I think I should have a good purpose in it. And my manager who brought me in here today, uh, he organised it with the Mindaroo Foundation. Yeah. And I had had a, uh, a long-distance, way-back attachment to Mindaroo and a little bit of the family as well,
2: yeah. through my family. And what's what's come from those samples that you've collected? What have you been able to determine?
0: Well, at the uh, at the moment, the Curtin University has it. Uh, they're sampling them. Some areas there's quite quite a lot. Uh, most of it wasn't much at all. Some hardly any at all. But mm. it's a baseline for micro samples. And eventually, when it's all completed, all their research, they'll come out with that result, and that mm. will be public. The Menaruth Foundation will make it public. Okay.
2: So we'll have to wait and see on that. Just from your own observations over the years, though, John, I mean, you know, you've seen more of the ocean than just about anyone. Um, have you noticed, is there, is there just more stuff out there drifting around than, than there was 30, 40 years ago?
0: Uh, I've certainly been places like Indonesia. Uh, we often joke on uh, Direction Island in the Cocos Islands that there are just thongs washed everywhere. I've seen up that, yeah. The, but they're all, all single there. thongs. Yeah. You can't get a pair. No. Uh, However, an awful lot of the area that I go in sailing, I don't see much at all. Seriously, don't see much at all. It seems pretty clear. Yeah. And Australia, our south coast, because it's not tropical, no no huge uh, population area, no huge rivers running down from population areas, is a pretty clean place. And Australians overall pretty clean, Mm. despite Sydney Harbour. But uh, overall, we're pretty good people and
2: we'll probably get better. Yeah, Sydney Harbour's a bit filthy, is it?
0: Uh, no, it's, but it's well known for its <laughs> collection and they're getting better.
2: Yeah. In fact, I think they're good too. Yeah. Um, what are the sort of striking memories uh, for you from this 11th trip around the world, Dan? What, what do you sort of take away as your your primary memories of it?
0: Well, it was another voyage, of course, but it was so different. Yeah. And also out of season, uh, became out of season simply because... Uh, of the lockdown after lockdown after mm. lockdown. Uh, but I seemed to get through it all, and I had some pretty uh, powerful people behind me, including the Australian government, to uh, get me through the Panama Canal, for example.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, so what happened there? I mean, did, did phone calls at a high level had to take place, did they, to get uh, you through? When
0: I, uh, <clears throat> when I got to Panama, I had another two-week lockdown, Panama being Panama after I'd done my two-week lockdown, they didn't know I had arrived, but <laughs> even though they'd told me to yeah. lock myself down. However, they soon picked that up. Uh, it was a worry, but it was okay. Yeah. And the Honorary uh, Australian Consul there at that end of the Panama Canal organised a completely COVID-free crew because yeah. i have got to have manhandlers on board uh, to be on board the boat. Yeah. Likewise with the Panama uh, government with the pilot on board. Mm. So I went through the canal
2: pretty safe and safely onto to um, Tahiti. Is that, I mean, it sounds idyllic, all these places that you're reeling off here. Mm. Um, when you're in quarantine, though, are you allowed to serve that out on the boat or do you have to get on land and, and do it? Oh, you no, know, on the a, boat. You're on the boat.
0: Yep. At least,
2: at least you're in familiar territory.
0: I am indeed. And uh, it's not as though I'm not uh, by myself. <laughs> Not so bad. And you were, of course, able to have supplies and provisions brought out and put
2: on. Yeah. John, you you must enjoy your own company being lost in your own thoughts, in your own head.
0: I'm pretty used to that. I'm one of those sort of people. Yeah.
2: I get along very well
0: with myself. But I always have a crew. I've done quite a lot of ocean races, single-handed to, say, Cape Town. Done Cape Town to Rio de Janeiro race. Uh, Done that three times. That's uh, South Transatlantic with a crew. They're my friends. So yeah. I enjoy that too. Yeah, but at other times I'm completely by myself. I mean, just some way. people
2: some people can't handle their own company for more than five minutes. So you're the you're the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe
0: they know themselves pretty well.
2: Yeah. Uh, when you're out on the on the boat and you know things are things are quiet, there's not much wind. I mean, what are you doing? Do you do you put some music on? Do you do a crossword? Uh, a little bit. Is there uh, always, something nev- never, yeah. always something to do? I'm never ever bored. Yeah, it's always something to do. And you can be a little bit lazy too, yeah. and that doesn't matter. I mean, um, have you got internet access at all times when you're um, out there? Can you sit there and just surf the web for well, a while? A lot of times you
0: can be a little bit uh, tired because uh, you don't sleep all night. You get up, have a look around, mm. sleep, get up. When it's uh pretty empty, vacant ocean, uh, I uh, now with the latest electro- um, le- electronics available to you, on uh, Earth, there's any other craft or
2: vessel around. Uh, yeah. Or done by
0: satellite.
2: Yeah. Well, at least you've got things to amuse yourself now. Um, so many adventures, uh, other adventures I want to uh, talk to you about as well, including your first uh, double circumnavigation in the 80s. And then, as I mentioned, not content with that, you went for a triple uh, a few years after. We need to take a break, though, John. We'll be back with that right after this. Back in a sec. This is Inspiring Stories.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My special guest in this episode uh, is the sailor John Sanders. Uh, hard to think of anyone who could match his record when it comes to uh, cruising uh, the open seas uh, of this planet Earth. Uh, John, as I mentioned, you've just come back from your 11th solo circumnavigation, but let's go right back to the days, uh, you as a young man, uh, before you started notching up all these amazing records. Uh, you spent a lot of your time shearing sheep. Uh, I had to earn a living. Yeah, when I was sixteen years of age. Yeah, wasn't the brightest kid at school. So you finished school. Yeah, and then what did you think you were going to do?
0: Well, I actually worked for Elder Smith and Co Limited. Yeah, and they used to send the boys away to um, out in pastoral runs mm-hmm. uh, simply for experience, because eventually would need to be wool class to work in their wool stores. Yeah, uh, as technicians in their wool stores.
2: Yeah, so sheep shearing was your next. Adventure that must have taken you to some some fun places around the around WA. Well, I was actually uh, a shearers shed
0: hand. Yeah, uh, picking up fleeces and throwing them on the table. Minderoo Station, for example, that's Andrew Forrest Station yeah. now. Was then there was his fathers and his grandfathers before then. Uh, but I was a wool classer actually, tiny yeah. wool classer.
2: Yeah, not good at shearing. So is this is this pure coincidence that you? had an association with Mindaroo back then and and you have now recently? Uh,
0: It may well be that when uh, Dr. Stephen Davis, my manager, uh, approached Mindaroo or Andrew that uh, Dr. Davis already knew I had been there and that Andrew may have remembered and definitely his father would have remembered Mm. because I was often a guest up there in his homestead when I worked there.
2: Yeah. Uh, Little did you know, no. Back then, <laughs> no. many years
0: later, I didn't plot or plan it. No. Well, I suddenly found I was.
2: Do you remember a, a young Twiggy on the property back then?
0: Oh, um, basically, just a small boy. I yeah. can remember his older brother, who'd be about four or five years older, I suppose. I yeah.
2: remembered that. So tell me when the first time you fell in love with, you know, being on a boat being out on the water. Do you remember that that uh, moment?
0: Always, because my father was an academic at the University of Western Australia. Yep. Professor across the road, had a boat. He used to take myself and his children out sailing. Uh, I had a dinghy at the age of 14. I could sail. I never raced it. He used to sail it up and down. My brother used to race it, but I wouldn't. Uh, when I got a bit older, I started. I bought a bigger boat because I could afford to a little bit, yep. and then I started to race it at Royal Perth Yacht Club. Yep. But I was never really a proper dingy dinghy sailor. But I went on to buy, uh, or my boats that so I could race in the ocean, yep. or more especially sail in the ocean.
2: Yeah, um, just just on your your mum and dad. You, you mentioned your dad, there a professor at uh, at UWA. Uh, your mum, a teacher and a novelist, who wrote. Yep. Uh, Many books, yeah, uh, well, under a different uh, name. Yeah. Um, what what sort of a about what sort of a household books. was yeah forty under the name of uh, Lucy Walker.
0: Yeah, that was the mother's maiden name.
2: Yeah, uh, she said that's
0: a mistake because all books are stacked uh, commercially in alphabetical order because yeah. W way at the end of the list. Not that that ever mattered. She sold an awful lot. She yeah. didn't get something like a farthing a book way back in those days. Yeah, even though she sold ten million in the United States amongst other places. Mm.
2: I mean, so I'm just trying to just imagine where this adventurous spirit took hold of, you know, the young John Sanders. John Sanders, mum's a, well, a novelist. You know, I imagine <laughs> someone who's probably lost in their own head a lot of the time. Uh, Dad's an academic. Um, where, did this, where did this idea of becoming a, a great adventurer take hold, John? Uh, <coughs> probably lost in
0: his own head. Actually, I don't have a wild imagination like that. I just seem to happen to come across it. That's a good idea. Why don't I do it? Because it can um way back there in those days, I'd do a little bit a little bit more, and then I'd realize, well, if I can do this, why can't I go further? yeah, I uh, had heard the others can, yeah, I always say to people with well, now, if you can sail to Rutgers by yourself, yeah, well you can go to Mauritius too, if you want to, yeah,, yeah they find that hard and to then, move
2: and then keep going, yeah, yeah, so when you're in the the, the shearing sheds, are you you know I imagine it's 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 pretty hot, pretty tough work, I think is your mind all the time was, going, I, I've got to uh, set sail, I've got to uh, go and see the world?
0: Well, um, I started off as a shearer's shed hand. Yep. I didn't go back to Elder Smith. I stayed in the shearing teams and quite quickly became a wool classer, quite quickly got my own contracts, and I worked like that for 20 years. I had one family in particular uh, who more or less started up with me. So after twenty years, instead of selling it as most normal people would do, I gave it to the family, mm. and that was good. I went sailing then. Yeah. Uh, thereafter, I didn't have much of an income.
2: Yeah. So, so tell money. me your first trip around around the globe. Uh, tell me the circumstances then. How old were you? How did you fund it? What did you expect?
0: Well, I'm. I always reckon I'm slow at everything. <laughs> so I was sailing, just doing local ocean races. Yeah. In my own boat, as mm-hmm. I got a more seaworthy boat, to do that. Then I kept reading about this Cape Town to Rio de Janeiro race from Cape Town, South Africa to uh, Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, and so I decided to do that. And that was a circumnavigation of the world, part of which I did uh, single-handed, part of which with crew. Thereafter, every other voyage I made was mostly single-handed, Yeah. except I also did three Cape Down the Rio races, so mm. I had a crew during those races. Do you like having a crew, or do you prefer being out there on your own? I, I like having a crew, but um, I've also delivered a lot of people's boats, TransOcean, yep. International, and a bigger boat good with a crew because mm. have got their own cabins and toilets and yep. showers, whereas my boat's a little bit small. Little pokey put up with the same
2: people <laughs> week after week, month after month. You'd get to know people pretty well, wouldn't you? Yeah. In, in ways that you maybe yep. maybe wouldn't want to know them so it's, well.
0: It's nice having them there, but I think <laughs> you need a bit of space.
2: Yeah. Have you ever been out at sea with a crew and think, I actually don't like you very much. I can't wait until you get off and I don't have to see you again.
0: No. Um, most of my crew have been very, very good. Yeah. Most of those I've have been very, very good. There might be one he doesn't like me much, but then (laughs) you can't get on with everyone in the world, but you can try. Yeah. Um,
2: 1982, uh, I suppose the first of your uh, real standout records, Uh, you set sail uh, to not just do one lap around the globe, but uh, a double circumnavigation, 48,000 miles. You were at sea for 419 days, which is a long time by anyone's measure. Uh, Um, What are your memories of that? Yeah, well, uh, that was in my SNES 34, 34
0: feet. Yep. Uh, it really isn't big enough to carry provision for more than 400, 400 days. So I decided I would go around the southern end of the world mm. and then stop off Tasmania for uh, to be resupplied, that is mm. by Stop at sea, Pick up some nice and wine re- and cheese. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> whatever it was. The uh, re- resupplied at sea, then continue on all the way to the United Kingdom, Plymouth, again resupplied without getting off the boat. Sailed back equivalent to twice around the world on the equator. Well, in actual fact, uh, and that was accepted in those days by the uh, the authorities in the United Kingdom as a, a sort of a a, a record in that type of thing yeah. but Everyone there's always a pedantic somewhere so they said you actually went round the bottom that was a bit of a shortcut yeah. before you did the long one but then years and years and years later and I don't look up Guinness Book of Records and, or more especially uh, the computer now whatever um, anyhow I did look it up one day and I noticed I was the first person to circumnavigate Antarctica Solo, and I thought, yeah, I didn't know I did that. <laughs> That's years, but apparently, some Russian was going to do it, and the authorities up
2: there in the United Kingdom and Europe said it's said already done. done. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. We well, killed his dream, didn't you? Well, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Talk me through just an average day when you when you when you're well on your way. You know, you're between you know, A and B, B and C, G and A, wherever it is. You know, what, what's what is an average day? What time do you wake up? What do you do? Uh, what time do I wake
0: up? Uh, I get, I'm very, very used to being at sea, quite mm. happy to be at sea. Uh, I don't sleep a full eight hours or five hours or six hours or something like that. I do now at home, so I'm pretty used to that. If I'm near a coastline and sometimes I'm following a coastline, you've got to keep a lookout every 15 minutes to be safe. Yeah. And every single-handed solo sailor I've spoken to all say the same, we all do 20 minutes. Mm. We don't do the 15, uh, but you do that. But in the yard, uh, wide open, empty space of the basin, because not not even ships go, Yeah, uh, they certainly cross them, but they certainly aren't all over the place scattered. Uh, you can get pretty good sleep. But even so, you get the habit of, uh, I do, waking up every hour or yeah. two hours and having a gink and a look around and going back to bed. So I'm never. I don't have a sleep problem because I fall asleep <laughs> easily, but I wake up easily. Yeah, there's always something to do on the boat. Yeah, and you, because maintenance like, is it constant maintenance. Yes, and um, mm-hmm. and also before you leave, you have it. Uh, you may not have it the best painted in the world halfway around the world, but things that matter like all the wires holding up your mast, your sails, yeah. and every bit of important gear that's
2: all working. Yeah, self steering gear too. You'd have to put a lot of faith in the equipment around you, wouldn't you? I mean, it's, it's that's, that's what separates you from you, Disaster. Yeah, no,
0: you've got to leave with it. Uh, even in recent years, recent decades, I don't renew all the ring my uh, maps at once because it's too expensive. Yep. But every three years I'll renew something, and it's always a mm. size up in some
2: cases too to mm. Yeah. So it should be more secure. What about food? I mean, what, what, what are you eating in an average day? Um, Talk me through your meal plan. Well, of course, I've done three
0: times around the world where I took it all, and that was simply canned food, but canned food's limited because no matter what you do, it'll begin to rust. And if rust gets into you, um, if a leak should happen in your can, and that it turns into quite poisonous food. You've got to be careful. Yeah. But I also had packed um, food, uh, freeze dried food, and stuff like that. And you get used to eating it. Yeah. I just come home
2: and have a proper meal. So, so what's breakfast? Talk me through uh, what's what's breakfast lunch well, and lunch.
0: uh, I suppose it's a bit like my age, but breakfast right now and then this last voyage almost every single day, simply hot milk with full double teaspoon of uh, instant coffee, Nescafe or whatever, and I put sugar in it and I put sweeteners in it. And I come back skinnier. <laughs> uh, but in the early days, now I'd have uh, cereal and the like of it. Yeah. And I'd have something for lunch and something for an evening meal. Yeah. Now, most of the time, I just now drink hot milk coffee, but it's a full mm. mug mm. most of the day. And I might have a bit of a snack, but I eat something meal time, probably too much. Mm. Would
2: well, you ever throw a line over the edge and see if you can uh, catch something?
0: I have done it. I've never been super keen. Uh, uh, last trip I didn't simply because the stern of the boat is so cluttered. Yep. And at my age, it's a bit hard to manoeuvre myself as well, as well as I once could. I did have a young by, uh, guy when I was uh, delivering some boats. He would fish all the time. Yeah. And he'd p- put three lures out but only wanted to have a hook on. The others just made it look like a school of fish. He was forever pulling them in. Yeah, right. And uh, you wouldn't want to get tired of the eating fish because no. that's what happened. Fresh fish. But on the other hand, I would put a line out and probably should be in Guinness Book of Records of trolling a line most thousands of miles and catching nothing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The record that nobody wants. Uh, John, we need to take another break, but uh, now that you've described to us your 419-day voyage, next up I'm going to ask you about your 658-day triple circumnavigation, which uh, put you again uh, in the Guinness Book of Records. This is Inspiring Stories. John Sanders is our special guest. Back with more in a moment.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing all about the life and incredible achievements of sailor John Sanders. Uh, John, 1982, I mentioned you, you set off for your double circumnavigation. Um, 1986, you've then gone for the the triple. Um, why? Why did you want to push yourself even further? I
0: hadn't been done because <laughs> I thought I could. Yep. But also I had gone around the world and I'd been reprovisioned underway. And of course, the, I don't take any notice of that sort of nonsense now, but those in England, a few others say, oh, yeah, but you were reprovisioned underway. Well, no one else had done what I'd done, reprovisioned or not reprovisioned. So I thought, I'll go three times around I'll the world. I'll Anyway, yeah. and uh, the Curtin University came alongside then. Yeah. Uh, that's the first time. So they gave me a few projects to do. And I guess the most major, I'm just spotting uh, whales and whatever else, but the major thing is I had, which was unique for a boat of a size I had, an echo sounder, which in those days could sound all the way to the bottom of the ocean, five mm. kilometres of water. And there was a, a couple of areas in the ocean which was consistently, because they could measure the altitude of the ocean by satellites in those days, mm-hmm. uh, It was about a metre higher, but always a metre higher. No matter what the sea was running, would I run over them, which I did. And sure enough, there was an um, undersea mountain on, on those occasions. Wow. But I had, uh, again, the uh, Curtin University, together with the Royal Perth Yacht Club, managed that voyage. Yeah. And I quite liked it. I didn't mind being uh, weeks and months and more than a year at sea, but right. I was pleased to get home.
2: More than a year? It was closer to two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah near two. That's a, I mean, that's a long time yeah. to I be out drifting around. <laughs> I'm not doing it now, anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean... You must go through a, a roller coaster ride yourself though, when you're out there, John I mean, are there days when you're out there where you think, "What am I doing?" in,
0: the, um, in that particular voyage, I got some very, very heavy gales because I went under Cape Horn each time because you're three times around the world and it's not the world's fastest boats in those days. Uh, I'm also in the southern ocean's midwinter. I uh, encountered very, very heavy uh, winds, very heavy sails, and the boat was quite safe. 'Cause I had the gear and I set up and knew what to do in it. But the earlier voyage uh mentioned uh the two times round the world. I did go upside down hundred and eighty degrees in that in storm. Wow. And part of that was uh reading some books and and some of the advised sort of storm tactics, it was so wrong. And they obviously hadn't been out much weather or they would have gone upside down too. <laughs> um mainly well one was just uh take your sails or down, lie side onto the sea. That's almost a recipe for going upside down. Yeah. Uh, another time is under bare poles running dead downwind's fine, but the boat eventually surfs on an incredibly steep wave, buries its nose into the sea, tips over. Uh, what I learned is just drag something behind. It doesn't matter what you're dragging behind. Uh, the wave will overtake the boat, go right over the boat maybe, pass the boat, and you continue
2: going. I was going to ask you at the end about some of the scary things that you've yeah. encountered out there, but let's do it now because you've sort of led us there. Uh, you must have come – I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of hairy moments there, weather-related, but in terms of the the great challenges that you've faced out where it's just, you know, you, your boat and Mother Nature, well, and maybe some man-made challenges as well. I mean, have you come across um, pirates out there? Have you come across just just unexpected wild weather? Um you know, ocean liners that turn up out of nowhere and almost clatter into uh, you. What, what are some of the really memorable, well, scary moments that you had? When you mention
0: pirates, I've been uh, up through the um, Suez Canal four yep. times. Uh, I've certainly encountered fishermen in that in the uh, Straits of Mandab. Bab- that's the entrance to the Red Sea, Aden, uh, Djibouti, uh, Somalia, that area. Uh, they could or might or might not be. Uh, I had a young guy on board, crew, and we discussed what would we do if someone came because we don't carry any weapons or arms or mm. anything like that. Uh, I will pull out the flares. So now I did have this fishing boat come alongside and coming nearer and near, and I called to Nathan down below and I said, throw out the flares. And he says, what do you want now? And I says, have a look out in it. And he said something that started with S. Uh, <laughs> and he picked up the flare container. It was night time. And threw it at me and hit me in the head with it. <laughs> and I unscrewed it in the boats were right alongside, but they could see me with this uh red and orange container taking it off and then pulling out these things and didn't like the look of that.
2: Yeah. And vanished. So obviously that to them look look like a weapon. But that's potentially yeah, it looked like yeah. something. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, actually we couldn't have done much because then you'd have to tear all the plastic off it and <laughs> then find the end of it and then yeah. find the ring to pull it and then point it in the right direction or some yeah. direction. But, um, uh, most of the time and most of where I go is pretty safe, pretty free. Yeah, Brazil's always worried me. Come out mm. of Rio, but I always stand further out to sea and a long way further offshore, and mm. I still do that. Yeah, uh, The Caribbean again, but then again, when I cross the Caribbean, which I've done quite a lot of times, I go to places like St. Martin I mentioned, especially the British Virgin Islands mm. and through to Panama, and I avoid uh, Venezuela, uh, Colombia, and other places. Just, just, Don't just go too, too scary. Too, like Haiti. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I always, when I talk to the others. They all dress up. They say, oh, we go there for something different, or yeah. they all wear the same sort of clothes and same sort of genes. Just yeah. some of them aren't as nice as the others.
2: <laughs> um, I, I read somewhere that you had quite a, a close encounter with a, a pretty large boat near the Falkland Islands.
0: Oh yes, I did. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, one night, cold. Uh, well, it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite winter, but it was. It certainly wasn't summer or spring. And instead of getting out of bed as regularly as I do to keep a lookout, because I knew there were fishing boats there and big fishing boats. Foreign fishing boats with the license to fish from the Falkland Islands. Uh, anyhow, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, the wind, old, of course, my yacht changed course and I banged into the stern of that. Mm. I had two four stays, broke one four stay, broke a couple of stays, but it actually didn't do much damage at all, it just gave me a great mm. big fright. And okay. an awful lot of people on a fishing
2: boat talking in some weird <laughs> wacko <laughs> language at the top of their voices. Yeah. <laughs> What about creatures of the ocean? Have you had close encounters Uh, with any of the the beasts of the waters?
0: Not really. I'm pretty boring that way. (laughs) Um, Sharks and things like that. Very very. Whales. Whales. I see more whales off the Australian coast than anywhere else. Yeah. But when I do see them mid-ocean, they're a bit of a worry. But I don't see so many. Yeah. Awful lot of stuff you see off off Australia. Yeah. It's good.
2: When you see something like a whale, though, I mean, as majestic and beautiful as it is, I imagine for you, they're potentially dangerous.
0: uh, Yes, they are. And I've hit two of them, both of them in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, On both occasions, the the poor animal uh, was bleeding lots. Uh, It did no damage to me. I hope it wasn't permanent damage to them. Uh, Lately, I don't seem to be hassled by them, i uh, worried by them, but I see them. I see them come quite near the boat sometimes. I've seen two uh, deliberately swimming either side of the boat, each side. And I'm also not hearing of many yacht collisions like we used to. So my theory is they're either getting used to the small boats or it could be our electronics that we now have, the yeah. update electronics, and they can detect that you're there. Yeah. Uh, so they seem to be less for worry now than they used to be.
2: Yeah. You seem like, you know, a pretty humble man, John, not someone who necessarily wants to be immortalised and have records uh, to your name, uh, you know, and that be your legacy. So I'm wondering what was it like when you came back from one of your uh, extraordinary journeys, came back to to WA and and the Premier of the time declared uh, a public holiday, calling it John Sanders Day. How does that sit with you?
0: Well... (laughs) I knew there would be some boats out to meet me yeah. because I've got friends. This was no after your, your double or your triple, did, Both they of them. call this? Both All of them. Of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, you don't expect – I mean, you seriously do not expect it. There's hundreds of them, and you can't work out what's going on. And everyone asks, what's it like when you get ashore? And I says, well, it's so overwhelming. You don't notice coming ashore, Yeah, even though you nearly tripped over.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and seeing all these people out and having a public holiday in Your Honour, thats yeah. I mean, not many people get to say they can have, it it have a probably, day, oh, day off for you.
0: I think the Premier, I think it was Richard Court, was it Peter and could be either, uh, on different occasions. Uh, it was popular at the they time. They probably said.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a political opportunity. Yeah. Uh, John, we need to take another break, but more of your incredible stories okay. right after this. This is Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, the record-breaking sailor John Sanders is our special guest in this episode. John, we were just talking about uh, your uh, arrival's home and how celebrated they were. Um, your beloved old uh, trusty boat, um, that you did your triple in i believe is uh, is is still taking pride of place at the the maritime museum in yes, Fremantle do you ever pop in and, and and say good day to the old girl yes i do Yeah, once in a while you yeah. must have a special relationship with you I know it's an inanimate object uh, but you must have like a I a pretty unique bond with it
0: it's a massive comp- compliment that they did it
2: yeah uh, fortunately
0: australia too came along won the uh, americas cup uh they needed somewhere to house it The Australian Prime Minister that had it then in the National Maritime allowed Richard Court to bring it to WA, so my boat was put alongside. So that was a massive privilege for me. Mm.
2: Um, Your most recent uh, trip, you were on board the Perry Banu 2. Yeah. Um, Tell me about the the name.
0: Perry Banu comes from the Tales of the Arabian Nights, Mm. uh, 1001 Nights. Uh, My mother named it. She She was a clergyman's daughter. And uh, in uh, Christchurch, in fact, her father founded Christchurch Grammar School. Yeah. Um, and uh, she always wanted to have a horse because they yep. uh, mostly pastures in that area and all the daughters had horses. And she'd call it Perry Bonnet. Yeah. Well, that never happened. But eventually I got a boat, built a boat
2: and called it Perry and loved it so much. You've still got it, still and my brother it. has too. Named His another life. one, Perry. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned at the start, uh, John. You're you're into your eighties now. When are you going to stop and settle down? Uh, when <laughs> I get too old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there any point though in the last, you know, however many years that you mm-hmm. thought, oh, I might have to just chill out and and just you know keep my adventures a little bit uh, closer to home? Because I know you have had a uh, fairly significant heart. Uh, operations over the years?
0: Uh, Yes, I have, but I seem to be able to get on my boat and so Norwich is three and a half thousand miles from here and so on, and I could do that right now in my boat. But I also don't have a driver's licence now because that's expired and I'm not game (laughs) enough to go and do it
2: it's um, <laughs> extraordinary not, so you yeah. can sail around the world but you're not allowed to you can't drive a car down the road oh, well, i'm not allowed to not, yet, not, not officially I'm not game enough to go
0: for it anyway you're not going
2: to go for it again no
0: why not well i will board an, uh, an
2: electric scooter Have i'll you? try that <laughs> i'm not even sure i'm game enough to ride that
0: mm.
2: wow okay well you know i mean you, you're one for taking on challenges john Get your driver's licence. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose you're right. So, so what, what's next then? Uh, well, what's
0: next? Well, uh, the slight worry I have is I'm only uh, a few hundred metres from Steve's Hotel in England <laughs> and uh, 10 minutes walk from Raw Perth Yacht Club. That's a bit tempting to walk one way and the other way, and sometimes I think, well, I better go and do something more sensible and reasonable yeah. and something that I can do. Yeah, being me, of course, it'll be different from what anyone else does, mm. but what that is, I don't know.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, what what do you do to pass your time when you're back on on dry land? I seem to be pretty busy here. Uh, well, uh, back in WA,
0: when I yep. say here, well, look where I am now, which is pleasant actually. <laughs> I Always uh, when I get invited to something like this. I get worried. Yep. You probably notice when I get in. And then after a while, I'm not at all. Mm. It must be your own charisma.
2: <laughs> oh, stop it. Um, But, I mean, are you are you sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to just jump on the boat and head off to here or there? You must have some favourite places that you think, I'd uh, just love to take the the Perribudu to there one more time.
0: I was looking at uh, the highway along the Murray River and I thought I wouldn't mind getting a little pop-pop boat going from one end of the Murray River to the other. Yeah. Uh, something like that.
2: Yeah. Um, of all the places around the world, all the many, many places that you've you've been to, um, what are some of the favourites for you? Or And and at the other end of the scale, places that you'd never wish uh, to go again?
0: I can um, I can't say where I like going because yep. like I like going to Rottnest, so it's only 12 miles away, <laughs> but I also like going to the British Virgin Islands in yep. the Caribbean. I'm used to that. Uh, And again, the other end of the field is Tahiti and the society islands in that area that is from Tahiti down to Bora Bora. But most of the place is pretty good. And when you say, which place wouldn't you go to? Well, the weird thing is people can ask you, where do you have your last best time? Mm. Or where do you have your best time? the answer is wherever it was you had best time. That could be in the slums or somewhere down some dark alley. Uh, that hasn't happened for a long, long time, mm. but doesn't really matter what it's like. It's mm. it's all an adventure, but as far as a destination, well, British Virgin Islands, but then it's a bit like going to New Zealand too yeah. for me. That's all right as well.
2: Yeah. I suppose uh, when you talk about people who are well-traveled and, you know, you yeah. exceptionally well-traveled, yours is uh, a different view of the world, isn't it? Because you go into to yes, places yes, yeah. via the ocean. It, most people jump yeah. in a plane, go to sleep, wake yeah. up, they're there. Uh, you take okay. a different approach. You must have a a, a very unique yeah. perspective of yeah. of the world, having seen it from the water.
0: Yeah, I do see it from the uh, water. The other day was interesting. I had a chap, and he only had a very, very slight uh, accent. His he, um, English with a hint. And I asked him if he was Singaporean, and he wasn't. He was from Afghanistan. And he <laughs> says, he'd been to Afghanistan? And I said, no, I haven't. It's too far away from the sea. Um, he... he must be a little bit different some way because I noticed he was driving his own car with a University WA sticker on it. Yeah.
2: How do you go getting on a plane? Does it feel weird to you?
0: Uh, No, a plane doesn't worry me, but there's a young guy who does a lot of sailing with me when I'm back sometimes. He doesn't like it. He freaks a bit. Yeah. Uh, But he doesn't mind climbing heights, any height.
2: Yeah. You prefer being on the water, though? Yeah. Yeah. On the deck. (laughs) <laughs> Good stuff. Well, John, uh, what have we got to look forward to? I mean, you said after your 10th that, that, you know, that you might be done. You might be done with your round-the-world adventures. Uh, Here you are after 11. You're saying never say never.
0: When No, never say never.
2: Never say never.
0: Uh, yeah, I've always said that. Um, <laughs> but last time I did say that, no, I wouldn't go because I thought it'd sound silly if I did. Yeah. And this time everyone's saying, don't say you're not going to go. So I just say, well, it's probably very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, perhaps if I just go for a cruise down the coast and back, I'll think of something. I'm something sure you to will. Do. Yeah. yeah,
2: I'm sure you will. Well, we look forward to your uh, future endeavours, whatever they may be, John. And thank you so much for coming in and sharing uh, some of your many stories. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for being so pleasant. Oh, Any time, any time. I feel like we just scratched the surface. Uh, Thanks again. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR, this time uh, with John Sanders. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.